Hello, and welcome to the XXLA Architects Podcast. I'm your host, Audrey Sato, and today I'm joined by Christina Monti, a marketing and business development expert and owner at CDM Consulting. Christina and I got to know each other through the AWA Plus D, which you'll hear more about in this interview, and she currently serves on the board of AWA Plus D's sister organization, the AWAF. Christina has a lot of great advice, so I literally spent a half hour after our conversation writing down all of my thoughts about my own business and career. So get ready to be inspired, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So Christina, can you tell me more about what you do at CDM Consulting? So I am a marketing and management consultant. I run my own practice, CDM. And I would say the best way to explain what I do is I help firms get to where they want to go. That can be across a number of areas. So it can be with their strategic planning and kind of answering the big questions of why do you do what you do? What do you want to do with that? Where do you, you know, I kind of pose or I tell clients, it's like answering the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, It can take the form of coaching them on business development. So very specific, I want to get into a new market. I want to meet these kinds of people. I want to grow to this sort of revenue, helping them achieve that through kind of back of house coaching. It can be marketing. So some firms, I help them develop, you know, specialty materials, kind of one-off proposals. I have set up marketing departments for firms, you know, that have never really had one. I've come into firms that have been around for 40 or 50 years that have got a mess on their hands and don't quite know what to do with all of their materials, or it's, you know, often buried in various old servers and things like that. And even down into communications. So I've helped firms with putting together communication plans. I work with a firm right now that I go into their office a couple days a week and I I just handle random marketing projects. But a lot of what I do is kind of communications related. So I actually am the person posting on their LinkedIn account. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> as part of that, you know, I'm I'm asking people in the office what are they working on. You know, I, I've worked with them for a long time, so I understand kind of what they do as a firm and what they want to message out to the world. So I put together then a calendar for the year and follow through on that that helps, you know, get those messages out across lots of different platforms. So the work that I do is really diverse and I I love it. Uh, I worked for a number of architecture firms kind of coming up and learning this part of the business. And I never really had a grand plan for what I was going to do with it. But I feel like I've kind of arrived at a point in my career where it's utilizing the skills that I have in a really fantastic way. That's so cool. Um, Do you feel like, so when you were saying you're asking firms, you know, basically who they want to be when they grow up or to look towards the future. Do you ever have to help them define that? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Okay. (laughs) So even established firms, Uh I have worked with them to articulate what their values are, right? And that's a point of departure. Um, Some firms know, like it's, it's revenue based or, you know, geographically based, um, some it's looking at who are the, who are the clients that you've had in the past? Who have you really resonated with? Mm-hmm. Let's extract some information from that and determine then these are the types of people that, you know, you might want to go after in the future. Again, where are they located? 
what sorts of services could you expand, you know, either really do hone your skills in or even expand to be able to cater to that kind of group. So it's a lot of conversations. It's hard to, you know, some people will say, well, do you have a website? You know, like, hand me a brochure. And I'm like, well, (laughs) I I hate to be so wishy-washy because, you know, as a marketing person, it should be all about quantifiable, you know, things, but it's a lot about conversations. And I feel like my job is listening intently um, to people and then trying to figure out best ways to help them kind of frame the questions and then put together a plan to get there. That sounds like you're practicing architecture. In a lot of ways. <laughs> so I don't know if you know this, but I come from a design background. So I was trained as a landscape architect and I, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I am not a designer. It's funny. I'm married to somebody who is like just one of the best designers that I can think of. And I stink at it. <laughs> and so I think that part of my transition from actual practice into what I do now, you know, it happened early in my career because I was good at the project management part and I was starting to gain skills in that. But I really was like, I don't know if this is my future. You know, I don't know if this is my forever career is to sort of put together projects. I probably could have been really really happy with that. But uh, I guess something was telling me, you know, there's more out there than this. And I think what I grabbed onto or gravitated to was the, the bit of client interaction that I had. And I saw my superiors having these, what I thought were really cool conversations about how are we going to tackle this and how are we going to solve problems? And so I thought, I want to be, I want to be one of those, you know, muckety mucks. (laughs) And, uh, I originally thought that I was going to have to go to business school and get those kinds of skills. And thankfully somebody that I worked with that was smarter and older than me said, you know, you don't necessarily have to go get an MBA for this. Cause my plan was I would go get an MBA and then I'd come back to landscape architecture and magically be a, a principal. Right. <laughs> and it's like, obviously now that, now that I'm a little older and wiser myself, I think, uh, you know, I, I recognize that that's not exactly how that works, but they said to me, you know, you, you seem to have an outgoing personality and you should think about marketing and business development. And it's funny too, because I, as a younger person, I never would have put myself, uh, I never would have described myself as outgoing. <laughs> I was, I actually thought of myself as quite shy. Uh-huh. But I guess not. I'm sure people that know me are like, that's impossible. Yeah. So now now I feel like I have just um, gained a lot of confidence. Uh-huh. It's funny because I do try to mentor people that I work with that are younger. And I was just talking to somebody today saying, you know, this young person that I'm working with right now, I want to make sure that she understands or I start talking to her about building her self-confidence in in meetings and things, you know, I, I see her sort of shudder when somebody calls on her directly to give her opinion. And some of that is just life that teaches you lessons, but some of it is, you know, have faith in your own gut. And if you're, if something's telling you and you have done your homework, speak up and speak up loudly. Um, because it, it does matter and people want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. I'm interested to hear about your experience in school and in those early years, because you said you weren't good at design and school. I mean, 
the focus in architecture school, and I'm assuming in landscape as well, is very heavy on the design. Yes. And depending on where you go to school, maybe it's, you know, maybe you learn technical skills too, but you probably don't learn any business or marketing skills besides pitching your project to other architects and designers who, I mean, it's different talking to them versus a client. Yes, so. yes, and yes. So <laughs> um, I did go to a fairly technical, heavy uh, school. I went to Texas A&M. Uh-huh. And, and I did struggle with the design part, but I think I worked really hard. I, I was a kid that always did decent in mm-hmm. school, but then when I got to college, I think I flourished because it was like, wow. I'm starting to learn things about subjects that I'm actually kind of interested in. I I was also one of those kids that had no grand plan. You know, if somebody said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> um, and I just sort of found my way. I started out in graphics, like a graphics program, private university. And I just, I didn't like it there. I didn't like the university. It was small and I felt it was cliquish. And anyway, I ended up transferring to a public you know, Texas A&M is an enormous institution, 50,000 kids. Um, at the time, my boyfriend, now husband, was going there. So that was convenient. My parents <laughs> were, I think, a little horrified that I was going to transfer. <laughs> but I, um, they didn't have kind of an art graphics program, but they had an architecture and landscape architecture and construction science uh, department. And my boyfriend, now husband, was in architecture, but I stink at math. So I was like, well, darn, that's not going to work. But gosh, I've always loved to be outdoors, love to get my hands dirty, love plants. Like, Mm -hmm. let's try this landscape architecture thing. So I think it was because I worked hard that I got through school and actually did quite well. But design was never something that came easily to me. And as I have seen other very successful designers, you know, how in essence, effortless it is for them. It's like, I have totally accepted that that's just one part. You know, the designers are the, they, it's the sexy part, but there's so many other meaningful things that go into making a successful project and a successful firm. Mm-hmm. So I feel very lucky that I did find my way ultimately to marketing and business development. Because as you say, you don't learn about those things right. in school at all. I had no clue. I went to work, thankfully, for, um, I worked for a small landscape architecture practice in Houston. Uh-huh. And then because my husband ended up uh, getting into graduate school on the East Coast, um, I followed him again, much to my parents, I think, <laughs> slight dismay, or, you know, they were freaking out about it. But I followed him to Boston. And the one thing that they had said was, please get a job before you go. So I did, I flew out and I interviewed. And I ended up working for, at the time, the largest woman owned landscape architecture and urban design firm I think in the United States, certainly on the East Coast, still exists today. And I think it was because they had a marketing department that I just on some levels started to mm-hmm. see, but I didn't understand what it meant. So really when we, I worked for them for about three years while my husband was going to school, we we got married and then moved to the West Coast. And I just thought, you know, I'm just going to on, I'm just going to try it, Right. I'll throw myself out there. I gave myself a month to see if I could get a job Uh doing this marketing thing. (laughs) And if it doesn't work out, I'll go work for a landscape architecture firm. And again, I'm I'm sure I'll be happy for the rest of my life. I just, yeah, I I don't know if I'm just sort of a clueless or I was clueless, but I just, I'm somebody that I feel like the one 
good aspect of my character is that I, <laughs> I kind of go where the wind blows. Sure. And I try to, as I've gotten older, I've become wiser about really trying to keep my eyes and ears open for possibilities. And I think even as a young person, I was kind of doing that and it benefited me. Yeah. So I asked a former... Uh, I asked a marketing director of a firm, Co-Architects, which still oh, exists, yeah. and this woman is still the, she's now the uh, partner principal, but kind of their marketing director. And I called her and I said, you know, I'd love to just take you to lunch and ask you some questions. And in reality, the one question I had was, am I insane for trying to do this? Because <laughs> I didn't have any formal training, but we had a great conversation. And she said at the end of the lunch, you know, look, I, I don't know if you'd be interested to work for anybody but a landscape architecture firm. But if you are, I'm looking for somebody. Would you want to come work for me? Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, that was sort of the beginning of what ended up being a really fantastic ride and education in marketing and business development. So I worked for five architecture firms locally, and I somewhat consciously, somewhat because some firms weren't a good fit and I was looking for something different, but I really alternated between the worlds of marketing and business development, and they are quite distinct. So business development, we usually define as all of the activities and things that are building relationships that get you to the potential of a job. Mm. And marketing kind of takes over when you are applying for that job, you know, putting together either a proposal or quals or whatever, mm -hmm. and all of the things that come afterwards and help kind of create that hopefully a reoccurring loop. So marketing encompasses the materials and the the communications afterwards and the the awards and you know books stuff like that. Got so it. The promotion of it, right? So that yeah. you can make more of those relationships and like I said, hopefully bring it all full circle. I never knew about that distinction. <laughs> It's interesting because in small firms, it's all blended into one, right? right. You, you certainly don't have people that operate in those two roles. You know, it's like you can be the chief marketing officer, chief designer, and chief, you know, trash taker outer yeah. all in one. Um, yeah. So yep. it just depends on the firm. Um, so I'm kind of curious because, you know, I, I, I've grappled with this before teaching students in terms of how much of design is a talent and how much of it is a skill you can learn. And I think about that the same way with, you know, running a business or, um, going, trying to having that, um, strategic mind to kind of go out there and get work. And then also having the personality that is helpful, I would say to, to landing new clients and getting people to like you and things like that, the, the salesmanship of it. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, um, I wonder what you think in terms of what skill and can be learned and what's just innate. So I will say that I am an eternal optimist pretty <laughs> much about everything, but I absolutely would, you know, stake money on the fact that it is a learned skill. And I say that because business development is just that it's the development part right? But it doesn't mean that everybody has to do it the same way. I coach a lot of firms where they have quote unquote emerging leaders. So people that they think kind of have the potential in some way, shape or form, or are important to the future of the firm. And I often get the charge of, can you help these people with business development? And the first thing I always tell them is, 
let's do it your way. There's no one way that business development has to happen. I think a lot of people mistakenly think of, oh God, I got to go to the events. I have to shake the hands. I have to, you know, put on the show, the dog and pony, all that kind of stuff. But if you are mindful of really making relationships, because Mm -hmm. architecture has changed over the last 20 or 30 years that I've been involved with it, but it definitely is trending towards authenticity, relationships matter. You know, they've always mattered, but it was, you know, well, let's go play golf. Uh, And, you know, more so in the old days. I won't say that that doesn't (laughs) still happen. But now it's like, let me connect with you over the fact that we both have kids or we have a dog or I'm passionate about the environment or, you know, I'm a nitpicky designer that really, you know, I'm interested in the X, Y, or Z about this. There are going to be people out there that you can connect with. The trick is where to find them, right? So, you know, I've told people in small firms, it it can be as simple, uh, again, as the parents that are at maybe your child's school, or maybe it's your church, or maybe it is joining organizations that put yourself in places where you're going to meet people. Architects innately, I think all designers innately tend to want to hang out with their own tribe. Uh-huh. And, you know, the, at least for small business owners, that's makes it quite difficult to, you know, and incestuous. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. You need to be out there meeting different people. Right. And I think in my own career, I have been lucky. There are not a ton of people that do what I do. And I have been doing it now long enough. And I, looking back, it's funny, I never thought about working at multiple firms would help me in a consulting practice. That was never my kind of end goal of like, oh, again, somebody that has no plan. Right. Uh, I just sort of ended up in the consulting thing. But um, looking back, it's like, wow, of course, I worked at all these different firms and I met all these different people. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, when I see them out and about around town or at events, we still remember each other, you know? So I, I've sort of, it was like I was developing my future client base for myself and architects are the same way, but it requires you to step out of just hanging out with architects right. and doing, you know, and developing other facets of your life. So it's like, say you enjoy writing, you mm-hmm. know, like maybe you start a blog or <laughs> Audrey, you start a podcast, you know, it's like you probably started a podcast for all kinds of reasons, but did you ever think about all of the potential people that you could meet? You know, it's like, particularly if you expanded beyond design or you thought about your podcast with people that are maybe ancillary to design right? that could ultimately benefit your practice. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, you do have to be laser focused about, you know, what do I want to get and how do I get there? But again, that authenticity part of it nowadays is, you know, you need to do what you love And you're going to connect with people that also love those same things and stuff will happen. Right. You know, that's hard to accept as advice or a plan. You know, sometimes when people are struggling, it's like, I just want a client, you know, tell me where I can go tomorrow and find one of these clients. And it's like, well, it doesn't really work that way. It does take time, but it can happen. I heard about an interesting book yesterday and I plan on ordering it, but I think it kind of encapsulates the the concept. And it was called the, um, instead of go getter, Uh it's called the go giver. Oh, And the idea is if you are giving of your skills and interests and things like that, then 
those things can come around and help you in your own relationship development and ultimately professional development and business development. Because definitely in order to connect with someone else, it's not a one-sided thing. So you can't go into something just thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to get from it. Yeah. Nobody's going to want to work with you. Right. (laughs) That's why one of the best, like for these emerging leaders that are going to events or, you know, and they always say, well, what do I talk about? And it's like, well, ask somebody, you know, A, what are you working on? What are your biggest challenges? And if you have some advice or you have come across an article or you like, that's how you develop the relationship. You think about what they need, because if you're just there to hand out business cards and like, you know, try to get some names, that's a dead end almost immediately. Right. So you need to connect on some of those more authentic kinds of things and think about what are the skills that I have that'll help people. And maybe it'll help you right now and I'll never see you again, Mm -hmm. but maybe you'll remember me in a year or two years or five years and they'll come back around. Yeah. So what do you think are the most common mistakes you see architects and landscape architects making in terms of, um, you know, how they're, how they're doing their business development or marketing themselves or even how they see themselves? Hmm. Oh gosh. Well, (laughs) I mean, mistakes can range across the spectrum, but I would say a lot of firms don't, they get so engrossed in the work. They don't sort of, I like to talk about, you know, pulling your head up above water or Mm -hmm. up above the the weeds Mm -hmm. and sort of surveying the landscape, right? So at least being mindful of, hey, it's really great and I'm solving all these problems, but I think taking a half an hour to think about what are the problems I'm solving? How can those problems translate to others? How could I approach a potential client or share this through a blog series Mm -hmm. or, you know, in some ways either capture it or think about again, how it translates to someone else. Right. I think that, um, particularly smaller firms, they get so engrossed in the work and it's like, this is taking all my time. And I have, you know, I don't have any time to do quote unquote business development, but sometimes it's the little things that you can build along the way that sort of, set you out there for the next one. So a lot of firms will get to the end of the road on a project and it's like, oh, uh uh-oh, I don't have anything now. And um, you have to be thinking about it. Again, part of it is just mindfulness, right? You know, easier said than done. But particularly for smaller firms, it's really important to always have that in the back of your mind. I think firms, sole proprietors in particular, are shocked when they hear you know, if you have your own firm, you need to be spending probably 30 or 40% of your time thinking about it, doing something about it, you know, thinking about how you're capturing information from your current projects and process and transmitting that out there, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I think, um, unfortunately designers often get into business because they think, oh, well, this just means I'm going to be able to like do exactly what I want. And I'm going to be able to spend all my time designing. And it's like, no, 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 no. You'll probably spend 10% of your time designing. You're going to spend 10% doing accounting and you're going to spend 10% looking for employees or dealing with HR issues. You know, the bureaucracy of your firm and just keeping it going. And then, oh, and by the way, there's marketing and business development. Yeah. That would be something they should address in school in a professional (laughs) practice class is like, Let's debunk some of the myths of how great it is to have your own firm, right? Right. 
There are great things about being your own boss, but there are a lot of things that I think people just didn't realize were going to take up their time. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things I often get asked as a business owner is how did you know it was the right time to do that on your own? And so I wonder the same, if you could answer that same question for myself. Yeah. Uh huh. So I worked for these five firms around town. The last one I worked for was I would put them in the corporate camp. So I either kind of worked for boutique firms or I worked for corporate firms. And this corporate firm had uh, two offices. And while I was there, we opened a third. So it was LA, San Jose, and San Francisco opened. And they had had some trouble with some of the other team members within marketing and business development. They decided to let go of two people within the same day that were both directors. So I actually came on board as a marketing, as a business development manager. And by the time I left, I was overseeing in a director's role, business development and marketing. Um, but part of that transition was traveling between those, you know, here I'm obviously based in LA, but traveling, uh, up to Northern California. And so I would do that, you know, I'd leave on the 6am flight every Monday morning to San Jose. And then I would either fly home on Wednesday or Thursday. And that grind, um, really, it, it got to be a lot and it started to affect me and relationships. And I have to say, I have a partner that was very, he's good about, you know, kind of calling it like he sees it. And he was like, you're not happy. And when you're not happy, we're not happy. Mm -hmm. So I think something might need to change. Um, I also had, you know, I had family that was living in Arizona. I had family that was living in Texas and just a lot of things going on with family that I realized that the next job I took either needed to be a little slower paced or less travel or something. And funny enough, I, I was interviewing for a position for another very well-respected firm. And the person that had held the job before me was consulting to them, but she had left. And as I was going through the interview process, I kept noticing some things about their, the way they made decisions and how quickly they got to things. And, and it was sending up red flags for me because I thought, you know, part of marketing to business development at a, a sized, you know, of a firm of much size is how quickly you can kind of keep going mm -hmm. because in mm -hmm. particular, the marketing aspects, it's very fast paced and even business development. So I approached her. I didn't know her well, but I knew her name. And I just reached out and said, you know, can I ask you some questions? And it was really nice because she was like, well, I don't, you know, I'm still working for them. I don't want right. to say anything bad. And I was like, I'm not asking you to dish dirt. I am asking if I pose some statements, just tell me if I'm on the right track or not. That's all I'm asking for some honesty and somebody who's kind of been there. Thankfully, I didn't get the job. But as part of that I, uh, conversation with her, and I saw her a couple months later, I said, you know, gosh, someday I would love to be a consultant. I think that that would suit my needs, you know, for the flexibility that I want to be more engaged and involved with my family. But still, you know, I'm, I love working in this industry, too. And she said, why don't we have a conversation about that? And that evolved over just a couple of months, that conversation into a partnership. And we had a great run. Um, funny enough, we incorporated, if you will, uh, <laughs> in 2007. Uh -huh. So right about the time, every, you know, the bottom was falling out. 
but we we managed to make it through the recession. We worked uh, with some really fantastic firms, um, some of which are still clients of mine. So in 2014, we very amicably split, and she has now kind of since retired, but I just have just continued since 2014 on my own. Cool. So again, not a person with a plan. <laughs> uh, it just sort of happened. But I, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, you're so lucky. And it's like, you know, sure. I will not say that I am fortunate and probably in many ways very lucky, but I do like to think that I kind of keep my eyes open. And when something sounds interesting or, you know, it seems like a good fit, I don't let nerves or like the anxieties of, well, well, what if, and oh, I don't know, and maybe kind of, um, you know, I don't usually let those things hold me back. You know, the saying about if you feel uncomfortable, then it's probably either good for you or you're learning something. I take that to heart and it's like, just push through. I will say being a consultant again, it's wonderful, but I, I'm also in a relationship where if I had a bad year or a bad month or something like that, you know, I think figuring out the viability of making rent payments or mortgage payments or, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things, that's important, right. you know, but at the same time, if you can, f- you know, figure out ways to cover your bases, it can be a very rewarding path. Yeah, I would completely agree that, you know, there's some aspect of luck, but you're so strategic and smart when you're like even talking about that job interview and how analytical you were in that interview to figure out that that wasn't going to be a good place for you. Like it might be for somebody, but right. not you. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and I've definitely, you know, I've worked yeah. for a couple firms that I, w- they were not good fits at all. And yeah. so I just you know, put my head down for a while, but then when an opportunity arose that gave me a new skill or, you know, they say this too, that you learn so much from the failures. And it's like those firms that I worked for that were not good fits. Wow. I learned so much about what questions to ask the next time around and what are the things that I am looking for and, you know, what's important. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's almost as, uh, important to learn what you don't want to do or who you don't want to be. Absolutely. That's always so easy. Sometimes I use that tool or, you know, that approach with clients is like, instead of saying, well, tell me where you want to go. That's a very difficult question for people to answer just personally or professionally, but it's like, tell me where you don't want to be. Right. And at least that starts the conversation to have me be able to ask more questions that ultimately will arrive. It's like, well, if you don't want this, then let's talk about what that might mean. Right. I'm like itching to, you know, sit down and write down like answers to these questions for myself just because, yeah, we don't stop to think about those things enough. And anything that might seem really small, you're right. If there's a trend, why not Mm -hmm. identify it? Right. And why not make it formal by actually spending time to jot it down and record it and acknowledge it rather than like, oh, yeah, have a thought here or there and then, you know, move on. (laughs) So I imagine that working in business development, marketing, you know, we think about those things as forward looking and you're trying to get projects, but it sounds like from what you said, a lot of it is sort of circular. You can't really do that without knowing the past. You can't really propose let's say fees for something, if you don't know how much it costs you to do a project of that type. Um, And then I assume there's parts where you're just going blind. Like I want to do that work. I haven't done 
that in it. I have no idea. And here's what I'm throwing out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit more about that sort of process and, and how involved you get in that, you know, that sort of analysis of the, the firm or their, you know, delivery? I think there is a lot to be gained. And again, it depends on the size of the firm. Ones that have been around a while, of course, they have an entire repertoire of things that they can go back to. And I often start with that of like, let's just look at clients for the last three years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's, again, what are the parallels? Who were the outliers? Who are the ones that are, you know, your special kindred spirits that you want a lot more of these for people that are newer to it or smaller firms that just don't have those resources, it's like you've got to get over yourself and ask. I am a huge believer in asking questions, uh, much to the annoyance of some of the people close near <laughs> and dear to me, but I'll ask anybody anything. <laughs> and what I have found is if you just, you know, the answer is always going to be no if you don't ask the question. Sure. And what I have found, um, particularly, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older and bolder, but as I have gotten involved in organizations like AWA plus D, that there are a lot of people out there that want to help people succeed, younger people succeed. And not every time you'll get the, you know, the funny look with the, (laughs) I'm not going to tell you that information. You know, fees, it can be a little bit of a tricky situation. Sure. But you're going to have classmates, you're going to have professors, you're going to have people that maybe you worked for before, you're going to, there's always somebody to ask. And, you know, even contractors, right? Mm -hmm. Tell me about some of the fees that you're seeing with other people. Am I completely out of line? You know, Um, so I think getting that kind of information to help you chart into new territory or unknown territory. Sure, it can be blind and you can make mistakes, but it I I don't mean to throw out lots, lots of little sayings here, but you know, stand on the shoulders of giants. It's like there are lots of people that have done this before. You don't need to try to reinvent the wheel. Another thing that architects love or uh-huh. you know, designers love to do is like let's literally reinvent the wheel. <laughs> and it's like it, it, time is a precious commodity. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't recommend that so much, but start asking questions. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you're not going to know every single thing, but you can certainly get enough information to try something. Right. right. A lot of people, you know, I will admit that a lot of people hire me because I come in with, you know, some of that built in information. But it's not a requirement. It's not something that, oh, my gosh, I have to hire a consultant. You know, I barely have enough money to pay the light bill. It's like, no. That's why I really, I feel very passionate about giving my time and energy. And, you know, if somebody wants to pick my brain, by all means, let's do it. Catch me for breakfast, catch me for lunch, coffee, or whatever it is. It's like, particularly as I have gotten to a point in my career, it's like, I'm not hanging on to this. And I think that the profession has started to move, you know, people used to hold their cards very close to their chest. And I think that that's breaking down a bit. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to see it. So I hope more people will just be emboldened to say, you know, I need help. I've seen some pretty interesting over the course of just working with lots of different types of firms and styles of people. Uh, I met with somebody briefly, maybe a year ago, and he was a young upstart that had a very successful single family residential practice going. And he 
told me about his philosophy was, I have all these mentors that I have put in place for myself in all these areas that I don't understand or I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I've got somebody for finance. He took me to breakfast just to ask questions. I don't even remember how he found me. I think he had seen me at an event or something. And I I was like, sure, you know, I'll try to learn a little bit about you. You know, I'm not going to engage in a super deep way, but like, if you just want to ask me some questions, sure. I'm happy to answer them. And I thought that was an interesting, you know, this guy couldn't have been much over about 29. I mean, he was young Mm -hmm. and had started something with his very wife, who Mm -hmm. she was kind of the design mind and really wasn't comfortable, but he was like, I'll ask questions. And I just thought it was a really good approach. You know, it was like, good for you for being bold enough to admit that I don't know this stuff. Right. I'm going to have to surround myself with people that either do, or I'm going to ask, you know, right. and you shall receive sort of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's really cool. I mean, it's really nice that you do all that stuff. For- you know, I have, I love giving, like I'm yeah. not somebody that, you know, I, I don't like getting gifts, but I love <laughs> giving them. And so I feel the same way about, you know, the knowledge that I've received. Again, I am at a point in my career where it's like, I am fine to start offloading some of this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I told somebody not too long ago uh, that is also in marketing and business development that said to me, I was at an event and we were surrounded by a couple of folks and she said, someday I want to be a consultant and start a practice. And I said, I am happy to mentor you. And then you can just take all my clients and two of my clients happened to be standing there and they looked at me and they were like, no, 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 not yet, not yet. Wait, well, you need to slow this train down. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I was getting a little too excited there about the uh, concept of retirement. Yeah, succession plan. Yes, yes, exactly. Even I need to think about it, right? So even if it's just offloading information, I'm happy to do it. You're such a giving person. You were president of AWA Plus D from 2016 to 17. And you're part of the reason why I'm currently in that role. Nice. <laughs> uh, just, to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. You did a good job convincing me. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and, you know, I think for me, witnessing you and other really incredible, very kind, very giving, very dedicated women who are talented and good at what they're doing and also find time to, run this organization and really support each other. It's really meaningful for me. I feel like I found a tribe or a family there. Absolutely. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. It's such a funny thing. Yeah. I, you've probably heard me say AWAD is the best organization you've never heard of. Right. (laughs) And it's funny because I had gotten involved because I got a call out of the blue. I don't know how they had heard about me, but it was from, uh, woman who was the president at the time, back way back in 2009. And she said, uh, you know, here's this organization. We'd like you to be a communications director. And I was like, who? A.W. <laughs> a- what? And I thought, gosh, I've been in this town for a decade plus, you know, and I've not heard of AWA plus D. How is this possible? Yeah. Anyway, so I was uh, the communications director for eight years and oh, wow. just – you know, kind of really, it it was, it's been such an interesting evolution for me personally to have gotten involved in the organization because I had always been involved in professional organizations, but it was always from the standpoint of 
business development on the behalf of, you know, the firms I was working for or whatever. And this was kind of the first time that I had really been in a volunteer position, you know, on a regular thing of giving Mm -hmm. back. And I see the, you know, I feel like I have received tenfold what I have given um, in terms of my own just personal and professional network. I never would have even ventured a guess of how many people I would have gotten to know had it not been for AWAD. And it's funny because, you know, having been in the industry and worked at all these firms and whatnot, you know, I felt like I always had a pretty big network, but there was this whole other side of really wonderful, genuine, caring women that I... I don't know that I would have ever come across. And it's just been exceptionally rewarding. And that's why it's been, you know, even though I've stepped away from the AWAD board, you know, it's like, I've not gone away, Mm -hmm. right? I still participate on committees on AWAD. And now I'm on the board of AWAF, the foundation. And it has opened my eyes to, wow, are there other volunteer you know, things that I'd like to get involved in. You know, I, I've had a conversation with Gabrielle Bullock about her time on the board of the Girl Scouts, for instance, right? That was an organization that I was involved in for kind of a funny long period of time when, you know, even into high school Mm -hmm. that I've thought, Hmm, that would be an interesting one, you know? And so I've just spent a little bit more time personally thinking about what are the other ways that I would like to give back, you know, as a human being, whether it's to women or others, um, I don't know. I, I haven't quite solved all that. And I don't know <laughs> that I've removed myself enough from AWAD to have <laughs> some of that free time, but it has been exceptionally rewarding. And so I would say, you know, a big piece of advice to others would be, again, find whatever it is that you are passionate about mm-hmm. and make it happen. In this case, it was something, it was an opportunity that knocked on my door. And I remember getting the call thinking, oh, I don't, I have never served on a board. That sounds way scary. You know, like, what does that even look like? What, what yeah. does that mean? Am I <laughs> like, am I responsible for stuff? And it was again, sort of the, you know, I feel slightly uncomfortable. This must be good for me. And, uh, it has blossomed into something that I cannot even imagine not having in my life. Yeah. I don't know what it is about the people that we attract, but every gathering feels so friendly and it's like a really wonderful mix of getting to learn from other people and hear what they're doing and making those real connections with people I admire, Yeah, but like in a very unpretentious sort of way, it's which a, is It's great. a safe space, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I think if people can, sometimes, you know, when you approach a new organization, sometimes you feel that awkwardness, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, sometimes it takes a couple of events. Sometimes sure. it takes opening your mouth and like introducing yourself, right? right. Some, t- you know, and that's hard for people. I recognize, yeah. um, I think AWAD does a good job of trying to recognize those people that, you know, maybe won't ask the questions or burst through the door, but you know, it's like, it is a two way relationship, but if you can kind of make it over that hump, yeah, right. it's like walking into such a fabulous, uh, arena and pool of people. Having recently overcome that hump, (laughs) I would say there's a few different ways to do it, right? Like the immediate way to become comfortable is just to volunteer, help Mm -hmm. be part of that organization and you'll get to know everybody. Or like you said, just walk up to people 
I think before I even started volunteering with AWA Plus D, that's how I met some of the women who I'm still friends with today. Nice. It was just by saying hi. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> in a very awkward way. <laughs> it's amazing who you can meet in the drink line, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we've all been there. So, yeah. Um, well, is there anything else you want to talk about that we haven't gotten to touch on? Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, that's such a broad, open-ended question. Okay, specifically, past president to current president, business owner to business owner, do you have any advice? <laughs> well, I would say taking on a role like the presidency of an organization that runs on volunteers, you know, it is an incredible time commitment. And so I always, I've told several people that have gone on to be president, you know, think about, even though it's going to be a wonderful social network for you and that kind of thing, give some thought to what sorts of professional outcomes you might like, right? So whether you're making relationships with people that could help you with certain aspects, whether you use the veil of an organization to call up others, you know, say, I'm the president of AWA plus D, I'd like to ask you some questions. There's something really empowering about that, right? You know, you are the president of AWA plus D, you mm -hmm. know, and that kind of gives you a bit of freedom to reach out to anybody you want, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, even as a, you know, as a mechanism to start conversations. So there's different types of goals, right? Part of it is just, yes, I want to give back and I want to do it in a meaningful way as the president of this organization. But, you know, there should be things in it for you as well. Sure. And so think about that and try to, in your time as president, make some strides towards getting to that. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Okay, good. Well, thank you. <laughs> I hope that's helpful. Well, thank you so much, Christina. It's this been a pleasure. Really great. Thank you for having me. I hope today's episode has been as beneficial for you as it was for me. I'm your host, Audrey Sato, and today's guest was Christina Monti. And hey, you can network with me and Christina in person at the AWA Plus D holiday party on December 5th or the AWAF fundraiser party on December 7th. I'll provide links in the show notes. And if you can't attend in person, find me online at xx-la.com or connect with me on social media at xxlapodcast. Thanks for listening.